Today is, uh, is, is a big day for our church. Um, you know, in the beginning of the series, we, we announced that we are beginning the process of moving forward on some plans to build a facility out on the 7.29 acres of land we purchased earlier this year. And we're excited to see what God does through that and how he uses us to impact the community in Parkland. And we, we've got a 16,500 square foot facility planned out. We're expecting not to, we're not just building a building just to have a building. We're building a building to reach more people for Jesus. And so excited about what God is doing through that. And we've, we've always said as a church, it's, it, it's, not a bit, it's never been about services. It's never been about messages. It's never been about doing cool things or having videos or lights or any of that stuff. While we like all of that stuff, the thing that our church has always been about is it's been about people. Like, how do we make a bigger difference in people's lives? How do we impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that's really what this series has been all about. It's about God, I believe, wanting to do way more in our lives and through our lives than we could think or imagine. And this series has been based off of a, a couple of verses that have been woven throughout the fabric of our church from the very beginning. In fact, they've been woven throughout the fabric of my almost entire Christian life that they've just been a foundation upon which I've built a lot of my faith. And we've been looking at some verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And it says this, it says, now to him referring to God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power. It's God's power, not your power, not my power that is at work within each and every one of us. To him be the glory in the church and through Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we've been talking about how we serve this God who wants to absolutely blow our minds. As great as our plans are, as great as our thoughts are for our life, as great as our dreams are, God has got so much more for us. And we started off in week one and we talked about the fact that we have this God that is not only able, because it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, but is willing to do immeasurably more. It's something that he desires to do in every single one of our lives. But most of the time, he's waiting on you and I. He's waiting for us to take a step of obedience for him to unlock the immeasurably more in our lives. And then week two, excuse me, week two, we continued looking at uh, this scripture out of Ephesians chapter three, and we went into chapter four. It's a continuation of Paul's thoughts, and we said that God has called us, that there is this divine calling inside of every one of our lives, and God has given us gifts and talents, and he wants to utilize those gifts and talents, not for our glory, but for his, and if we're willing to do that, we'll experience immeasurably more in our lives, and then week three, we talked about the fact that, that, that God wants to do a miracle in our lives, but the miracle takes place when we put what's in our hands in God's hands, and then, then God gives it back to us and, and blows our minds, but it's only when we fully put our trust in him that he entrusts us with more of what he has. Then week four, uh, Shayla talked, and she talked about the fact that it's, it's about for generations to come. She talked about to him who is able to do this uh, throughout all generations. It's about a generational thing. It's about your life outlasting your life. It's about impacting generations to come after you and the importance of that. And then last week, we talked about the X factor. We talked about the, the, who you surround yourself with, the relationships, the people that are next to you can really, really impact and who you're following can really impact your life. And so today we're going to continue on and we're going to wrap this series up 
uh, by looking at chapter 4 of Ephesians, uh, verses 14 through 16. If you want to read along with me in your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you can, you can pay attention to the screen. If you don't want to look at the screen, it's going to be in your worship guide. I, I apologize. I'm kind of losing my voice right now. So if I'm kind of squeaky and like uh, I crackle, I'm not going through puberty, I promise. Uh, I, I'm just losing my voice this morning for some reason. But this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, then we will no longer, referring to you and I, be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What this is in essence saying, what Paul is trying to communicate here to us through these couple of verses is that basically we're better together. He's saying when we work together, when we understand that we're a part of something bigger and that when we realize that we have gifts and talents and we have a role to play in the body of Christ and we utilize that role as we come together with other people, our life gets better because we are better together. Now, I, I want all of us to say we're better together on the count of three. You guys ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Are you ready? Okay, we're better together. One, two, three. Okay, I didn't, that wasn't everybody. I saw some of you, you guys who were just saying watermelon. I, I, I know what that looks like, okay? We know how to fake it here too. So we're gonna try this again on the count of three. We say we're better together. One, two, three. Okay, that's better. I even, I even saw some, some people that, that even tried it a little bit more. So I appreciate it. We are better together. When we are working together, I believe that when we get together, uh, the immeasurably more happens in our life. And so what are some of the things that Paul talks about? What are some of the things that happen when we live together? When we live together in community, we have a value around here at Coastal. We say this all the time. We do life together. The reason we say that is because we understand the principle that Paul is trying to communicate, that we are better together. We will experience immeasurably more when we're together, when we're living out community in real life. Because as great as Sunday morning is, I love Sunday morning. Uh, I love the fact that we get to come together and worship together. And then I get up and I talk to you. You don't really talk back to me every once in a while. There's a few of you that shout me down. I appreciate that. Continue to do that. We at least get to have a conversation. The rest of us, it's just a one-sided conversation. And so there isn't a lot of community that happens in that. It's why we say we've never been about services. We've never been about music. We've never been about all those things. We've always been about one thing, people. And we want you to do life together. The greatest thing you could do for your spiritual growth is probably not listen to another message. It's probably get involved in some relationships that are moving forward with Christ. They're gonna encourage you to move forward with Christ. So why we say, man, if you have a choice between a connect group and church, go to a connect group. We're probably the only church in America that will tell you that. But we know that that is, their power is there. And so why are we better together? What are some things that Paul points out that happen in our lives when we live life together? And so if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing he says that will happen in our lives is we will gain stability. Everybody say stability. 
stability. In verse 14, it says, we'll no longer be like infants tossed back and forth, blown here or there. He says, man, when we're in community, we're not going to be tossed all around. When we're together and we're serving one another and we're helping one another and we're connected to one another, it makes a huge and profound difference in life. In fact, this week I was doing some studying and I found some statistics that absolutely blew my mind. In fact, if you're a parent out there, you're going to love these stats that I'm about to tell you because this will take your parenting to a whole nother level. How many of you parents want your kids to be successful? Okay, if, if you're a parent and you don't want your kids to be successful, that's messed up. I just got to say that. Uh, but like, <laughs> uh, I found this study by Dr. Marty Rossman, and uh, he did research for 25 years on kids, kids from the age, starting at ages three and four all the way until they were in their mid-20s. He studied them for 25 years, and they wanted to find out what was the predicator to some kids being successful and some kids not being successful. What was the determining factor to their success. So they watched these kids for 20 plus years, starting at ages three and four. And this is what they said. They said, kids who are involved in household chores, not just cleaning their own room or taking care of their part, but those who are involved in working together and helping the family as a whole are more stable and successful than those who are not. He, said, he went on to say, they found that the biggest predicator of a person's success depended on them being involved in household chores, serving the greater community family. That is incredible right there. So having your kids go clean the room, that is awesome. That's great for them. That's great for their life. But they said the greatest thing they could do is when the, the living room is a mess, you say, hey, go, go clean up the living room. And kids will respond. This is what they said in this article. Well, I didn't make that mess. No, but at some point you do make a mess. Yeah, so parents are like, yeah. <laughs> and when you don't remember, you made a mess every day, and I picked it up. But they said, so you going and helping out the family is the biggest predicator to your success later on in life because you realize that it's not just about you. It's about making the whole better. And this isn't just true for family life. This is what they said about the church. In the New York Times, they wrote an article based on some research called The Benefits of the Church. This is what they said when you get involved in community and serving in a local church. They said when people are involved in church, they showed a boost in their immune systems and decreased blood pressure. They found those involved in church drank less, smoked less, and described their lives as more fulfilling than those who were not. The article said that the more someone was involved in church, the greater benefits to their life. Why? Because we're better together. When you realize that when people come around you and, and bring some things to your life that you don't currently have, when you're unsure and somebody else is sure and they walk up beside you, what do they do? They help prop you up. They bring stability to your life. That's why Paul said in Colossians, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. He said there's this community aspect that happens when we're together that props us up, that encourages us and knits us together through the bond of love that only comes through Jesus Christ. He says when we get that, all of a sudden what it provides for our life is this stability that we can't get anywhere else. And so one of the reasons why we're better together is because of stability. The second thing that, that why we're better together is because it helps us bring maturity to our lives. It helps us mature in life. He says, we will in all things grow up into him, the Christ. 
He's saying, man, there's this idea that we're going to grow in life. And a lot of us think that we just naturally continue to grow in life. And that isn't necessarily true. We age in life, but we don't necessarily grow in life. The reason we think that we're always growing is because when we were kids, there was a season of our life where growth just happened naturally. You woke up one day and you were, you learned more, you evolved more, you grew physically, you grew emotionally, you grew intent, uh, 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 spiritually, you grew in a lot of different arenas of life. But at some point, if you are not intentional with growth, you don't continue to grow. You might continue to age, you might expand, you know, this way. I don't consider that growth. But you've got to continue to grow and develop. And, and people will go, but, but you don't understand. Like, I hear this all the time from, from people that say, man, I've got 10 years of experience in this field. And what the reality is, is, is that you have one year of experience repeated 10 years in a row. Come on now. You, you learn this one thing, and you've just been repeating that pattern for the last 10 years, and you wonder why your life is no different 10 years from now from when you started nine years ago. Because you have not continued to grow in life. In fact, I found this, this research that said the average person, after they graduate from school, whether that's 18, 22, 32, if you're a doctor or lawyer, or you just lived in your mom's basement and went to school for a long time, uh, they said that the average person, 47%, never read another book after graduating school when it's required of them. What does that tell me? Almost 50% of people at the age of 18 or 22 or 28 or 32 stop growing. They stop maturing. They stop moving forward in life. And, and the great pastor Will Rogers said, listen, you can be on the right track, but if you aren't moving, you're going to get ran over at some point. And a lot of us, we've just settled at some point and we've stopped growing. And what happens is, is when you have people come around you, it causes you to grow. That word grow there, I want you to circle it in your outline or in your Bible. It means to expand or increase related to inward Christian growth. And notice it says it, we grow into Christ. We should be growing in our relationship with God. And we all have areas in our life spiritually that we need to grow. There's some areas of our life, we talked about it last week, that we don't need, that we don't know that we need to grow in that are called blind spots. And we all have them. And the idea is, is that we have people that come around us in life that are, 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 are there with us. They can see the areas that we can't see ourselves, that they can help us navigate through the difficulties of life because maturity is not having all the answers in life because you're never gonna have all the answers. Maturity is realizing you don't have the answers and finding some people that do and following them. That's what maturity is. And the only way you're going to find those people is if you're looking for people that are already ahead of you on the path where you want to go. And you can look all throughout church communities and you can find people that are further along than you spiritually. And those people can help you grow. The problem is, is a lot of us, we just think, well, I'll figure this out on my own. I'll, I'll, I'll get it together myself. And we talked about this last week, Jeremiah 17, 9. Our heart is deceitful. If we listen to our hearts, it will take us to bad places. In fact, that word deceitful means to have the wrong perspective. 
What happens is when we try to figure it all out on our own, because we start with a bad perspective, it's never gonna lead us to a right place. Have you ever noticed that? Bad perspectives never leads to right places. It never, when you're in a bad mood, it never leads you to a good mood. Does it? Like, can anybody make that? I mean, you make that full circle, you're talented. No, a bad mood usually leads to a worse mood. It usually causes everybody else to have a bad mood. And so we got to get a perspective change. And one of the, the things that he's saying is he's saying, hey, you want to mature? You get around some people that can guide and direct you. I'm so thankful I've got people like that in my life. They're right here in this church. I mean, there, there was a couple of weeks ago, I was, for some reason, I can have the best Sunday. But as soon as Monday hits, it's like, it's like I, I, I just hate life. Maybe everybody else's Monday is like that too. I was like, oh man, Monday's here. But I, I can have the best Sunday. Lives change. All this, like, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, man, there was all these salvation, all these things happened. And I was on like cloud nine, but Monday hit and I was just down in the dumps. And my perspective was like, man, I'm a terrible pastor. I should just quit this gig. Like nobody, nobody's paying attention. No lives are being changed. And one of our trustees called me up and he's like, hey, I, you were on my heart this morning. I just want to encourage you. I just want to tell you a little about, about what happened in my life yesterday. And, and so that you can remember that, man, you're doing a great work and don't come down. And, and all of a sudden this guy's words, they started shifting my perspective of what was going on. That's why the Bible talks about in, in Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter four, verses nine and 12, two are better than one. Because if you're all alone, man, it's easy for you to be defeated and attacked in life. But if there's two of you, you can stand back to back and you can conquer life. Because this is what I know, life is throwing stuff at us all the time. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get beat, I want to conquer and so we need some people in our lives that can help us conquer. We need some community around us. We are better together with other people. The third thing that Paul talks, talks about here is he says, man, one of the greatest things that happens is, is we get connectivity. When we are together, there is a connectivity that happens. He uses the words joined. He uses the words held together. He uses the word supporting. And, and he's, he's using all these words because they have the same root meaning of to belong, to be fitted and knit together, custom designed. In fact, this word, these words here are the same words that are used in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, where God is looking at man and he's saying, listen, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he goes, I will make a helper that is suitable for him. And that word suitable is the same word. He's like, he's like man, I'm going to put somebody that's there that's going to make them better. And he's doing the same thing with his church. He's trying to create a community that is better together. That's why we look at stories out of like the book of Acts, which is my favorite thing to read in the Bible is Acts chapter two, the beginning of the local church. And you see how they were better together. In fact, if you were to read Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, you'll see an overwhelming thing, theme of them, they and together and everyone. You see these words repeated over and over again. In fact, I'll read it. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were done among the, by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone that, as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord 
added to their number daily those who were being saved. It says, man, God was doing, you see this pattern of they and together and everyone. When community happens, there is a connectivity that takes place where needs get met, where people get taken care of. In fact, this past week, I saw this, this post from a family in our church. Uh, I, I guess this last weekend, they, they just moved here a couple months ago. They were getting ready to move. And uh, this woman posted on Facebook that she was blown away by this church that she had been part of. She was referring to our church because every time that her and her family had moved, which is herself and her husband and, and their couple of kids, it's taken them like a week to move. It's taken them forever. And this is the first time that when somebody else heard about them moving, uh, somebody that they're connected to because they started serving, they started getting involved in uh, our local church community here. Somebody heard about that and said, man, we're gonna get together a whole bunch of guys. Like 10 people went over to their house last Saturday, moved what normally takes this family a week to move in two and a half hours. Some of y'all are like, how do, how do I get in on that? Like, get involved in church. Just telling you, right? you want to get in on that, get involved in church. Like the only reason that they knew about that is because they were involved in community and community calls connectivity. Connectivity saw that there was a need that needed to be met. And so naturally what people want to do when they hear that there's needs is they want to meet them. Because that's what the church was designed to do. What if, what if every single one of us acted in that manner? When we heard needs, we go, man, you know what? I could be a part of that to make a difference in their life. Like I could, I could reach out and I could give some of my time. I could give some of my finances. I could do those things. Like what would our community look like? What would our county look like? What would our country look like if we had a mentality of like, what could I do for other people rather than what can I take from them? Like, I believe that our church would be totally transformed if we decided to live like the Acts chapter 2 community because we would be better together because when we're all together, listen, it says nobody was lonely or depressed. It says they were, had glad and sincere hearts. So they weren't, they weren't popping meds because they had everything being taken care of. It says there was all these things to praise God about. People were getting saved. Miracles were happening in life. Why? Because they were of one mind and of one heart. There was wonders and signs happening at every turn. They were growing spiritually because they were utilizing their gifts and their talents in other people's lives. And other people were getting the opportunity to utilize their gifts and talents in other people's lives. And so they were growing and it says that every single person's needs were met. And I think to myself, that is the greatest picture of immeasurably more that could ever be posted. If we simply chose to live how Christ intended for his church to look. And listen, there's people that are doing that right now in our church that are experiencing this. And then there's some people that aren't. In fact, I got an email from a lady this past week that was upset with some things that I said last week. And apparently I said some offensive things. I apologize. She didn't email me about that. She was upset because I talked about like immeasurably more is about service, not serve us. And she goes, well, I have needs that need to be met. And you want me to go serve other people rather than, than you taking care of my needs. And, and, and I I don't know how to respond to all those emails. And so let me just say this. Um, Y'all need to remember this. Our church is imperfect because you arrived. Because I arrived. And so it, it's not gonna be perfect. 
It, it's always gonna be messed up. We're, we're not gonna do everything perfectly all the time. But I will say that those that are living in the Acts chapter two, ver, verse 42, fellowship and relationship are better together. Like they're experiencing their needs being met. In fact, I, I, I saw a vehicle sitting outside that I'll never forget the story because the story of that vehicle happened in my living room. We were having a connect group at my house with a group of guys. And we are reading a book called The Blessed Life. If you never read it, man, you need to read it. It will rock your world. And so we're reading this book, The Blessed Life. And one of the guys goes, you know what? My car just broke down. It's dead. It's gone. My, my wife and I, we're down to one car. We have two kids. Like, I need God to show up and do a miracle in my life. And we're sitting there and we're like, man, God, we, we, we should do something about that. A guy across the room looks across the room and goes, you know what? My family, we have three cars. We only need two. In fact, the Ford, we have a Ford Explorer that's sitting here that we haven't used in the last couple of months. I want to give you that car. Do you want my Ford Explorer? And the guy that was sitting across was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, like he didn't even know what to say because we're so used to never having God show up and do all, show up and show off that we don't even need to know how to respond. And so I looked at him and I said, do you realize that he just said he wants to give you a car? And, and I said, let me help you out. Yes, he would like that car. And that dude is still driving this car to this day. Why? Because people saw a need sitting right there when they were connected in community and that need was met. Let me just say this though. If you're just attending Coastal, we love you. You are welcome here. However, we're not gonna be really, really great at helping you with all of your needs. Because as spiritually minded as I am, I have trouble enough hearing from God, let alone hearing about your problems from God. Like, I'm just not that good. Like, like I, I have a tough enough time distinguishing his voice from my life, let alone him. Oh, Susie has a need. Like, I don't get that from God. And so if you're waiting for some divine osmosis to happen from God to me, to you, it's probably not gonna happen. So if you're not together, you're probably not gonna get better. So get connected, get involved, start serving, get, jump into a connect group, get into some community. And like, I think you're gonna love this. We pulled some stats. I, well, I loved it, maybe you won't love it. Uh, but I, we pulled some stats this week and we found out that there are 450 households that regularly attend Coastal. We found that out through regular giving, through, through, uh, through kids check-in, through all kinds of things, 450 plus households that regularly attend Coastal. And, and so I just did some numbers, I was bored. And the median household income in Broward County is $60,900. So the median household income, average household is 3.2 adults in Broward County. So 3.2 people uh, out of 450 homes. And, and I just said, man, what if all 450 households, there's more than that, but those are the ones that, are, that we, could, we could take through our statistics and figure out. What if 450 of those, the average household trusted God with the first 10% of their income like God asked them to do? What could happen? We found out that that would be $2.7 million that would be given just to Coastal Community Church. And I started thinking about our communities right here in Coconut Creek and in Pompano Beach and everybody that attends. I think that we would have every need in our church completely met. I don't think any person in here would be, would be struggling because we'd be able to come together and take care of anything. Not only will we be able to take care of the things that are within our church, I think we'd be able to take care of most of the, the needs that are within our communities right here that we're a part of because people trusted God with the first. 
And then I started getting a little crazy and I started thinking about all the believers had everything in common. So I was like, well, what, what would happen if Broward County, what if 20% of the people in Broward County went to church? And of those 20% that went to church, that, that those 20% tithe, like what, what would that mean to Broward County? What would that mean for the churches in Broward County? And I found out that that would mean that the local church would, would bring in an income of about $2.3 billion dollars. How many of y'all know $2.3 billion is a lot of money? We have a really big homeless problem in Broward County. We have a really big uh, food problem in Broward County. We have a really big uh, sex trafficking problem in Broward County. I think with $2.3 billion, we could eradicate all of those things. If people just trusted God, if they just lived Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 out, then I started thinking about what if America, which says they're 70% believe in God, 70% believe in God. What if 20% of them attended church in tithe based on the median income of the United States? And I found out that that would be $195 billion a year. The UN says that they can eradicate poverty over the next 10 years with $30 mil billion a year. The church could do it in a year and a half. We're talking worldwide eradication of poverty. And I don't say all those things and go like, man, we should just give all this stuff. The reason the Lord added to the number daily is because they were meeting physical needs, which allowed them to speak to spiritual needs, which allowed them to take care of the things that were going on in our heart. Because here's the deal. We can go out and we can feed people in Collier City. We can do great acts of kindness. But if, if people are going to hell with a full belly, we screwed up. We got to get them a full belly and the gospel of Jesus Christ and we'll see lives transformed because that's what it's always been about for us. It's always been about lives being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe that God wants his church to grow. I believe he wants us to reach more people, not just for our generation, but for generations to come. And so number four there is, is Paul talks about longevity. He's, he says it's not just about for today, it's about forever. It's about making a difference. He says as each part does its work. And the word work there is the Greek word energia. It's where we get our word energy from. It's, it refers to a word in the New Testament describing superhuman strength. He says, listen, when we start working together, because here's the deal, you as an individual, you can be pretty strong. But when you take your strength and you combine it with other people's strength, when, when two people that can lift 250 pounds come together and they lift that together, they can lift way more than 500 pounds because there's an additional energy. There's something that happens, a momentum that happens that lets them go way beyond what they could normally lift. Why? Because they're working together. And he says, listen, as you start to work together, there is this energy that's created that is superhuman that will exceed what you could do on your own. I would submit to you that it would be immeasurably more than all you could think or imagine. And here's the deal, church. We have an opportunity today, a huge opportunity to take what we individually can do. You know, today we've been talking to you for the last five weeks to, to come prepared today to ask God. And we've asked you not to come and give, but to ask God what God would have you to do to be a part of our immeasurably more building project and, and bring whatever God has told you to do today to be a part and putting a seed into that to believe in God for generations to come. 
And individually, you can play a significant part, but together, together, every one of us playing our part, working together, God can absolutely blow our minds. And God can use our gifts. He can use our talents. He can use our resources to not just change our lives, but transform communities for his glory. That's why Paul says, to this end, I labor with all of my energy. He says, man, I'm going to give it all because I know that my life needs to live beyond my life. I'm going to labor to the very end. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to exert everything I've got because I'm going to make my life last. As a church, we're not building a building so that we can have a building. We're building a building so that generations to come can have a home where they can experience the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Because long after you're gone, when a family shows up and experiences the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, in the message of the cross that saves everyone, and they find Jesus there that day, that's credited to you. Because you are a part of making that happen. That's how you make your life outlast your current life. And so here's what I want to do today. We're going to end service a little bit different. I'm going to ask. We have immeasurably more envelopes. Hopefully you came prepared. My wife and I, we, we, we settled on ours this morning. We, we are debating back and forth. And finally we came to, to our, our, what God was calling us to give. I had written it in my envelope and I said, what is the number that you have? Because we've been way off. And she said a number and I opened up my envelope and I said, that's the exact number God has for me too. And so today I'm going to ask you guys to stand up if you guys would all rise and take out your envelopes, take out what God is calling you to give and be a part of. If he's calling you to do nothing, you can just hold up an envelope. If you've already given online, which many of you have done, thank you so much for doing that. Just hold up an envelope. I want to pray over you today. I want to pray over these things because I believe that God is going to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine in your life. Father God, we just come before you today, God, and I thank you for everything that you've done in people's lives. God, I know that this for our church is an immeasurably more moment where you want to go above and beyond and whatever you've called each one of us to do individually, God, together, corporately, you can absolutely blow our minds. And I pray today to Him, to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. God, that you would do that in our lives. That this would be a year of abundance. That this would be a year of you showing up and showing off in our life. That you would get the glory, not only in our life, but God, you would be glorified in our church, not just today, but for generations to come, God. That today would be the beginning of a legacy that is being built for future generations in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're going to do through our gifts that we're giving here today to you, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're on the outside, if you would grab the buckets and pass it towards the center as we give and worship God.